You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's give it a jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. For my first jam session, I have a very special guest with me today. Today's guest is Kim Metcalf, who has 20 plus years of experience in the healthcare industry. Kim has held positions in sales, sales leadership, leading a commercial training team, as well as some of her most recent positions, serving as a vice president for two startup biotech companies, which included Pharmacyclics and Kite Pharmaceutical. Now, I selected Kim to be my first guest because I would not be launching this podcast if it was not for her. I would not have launched my own management training and leadership development company a few years ago called Sarto Leadership Group. So when I decided to launch this podcast, I knew exactly who my first guest would be. Kim, welcome to the Leadership Jam Session podcast. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the nice introduction. So before we jump into our story, let's talk a little bit about your leadership journey and how it shaped you as a leader. Yeah, I think um, I I probably in in the uh, bio farm had a little bit of a, I won't say delayed uh, leadership start, but I didn't become a, a leader of others until I was probably in my 30s. Um, you know, I was a, a pretty, you know, adamant individual contributor and really probably didn't have much desire to be anything more than an informal leader. Um, but I think I finally got to a point, um, you know, with my career and also, most importantly, I think my professional maturity, where it became a natural time that I wanted to lead people. And I think um, the weight was good for me because by the time I actually had the opportunity to, you know, lead a team of people, I was, you know, comfortable comfortable where I was um, in my career and, you know, what I achieved as a, you know, individual contributor and was really ready from a, I think a maturity level to have my work um, really be about getting things done and achieving, but doing that as a leader of other people. So I had a little bit of a late start, but I think that it was a, a good way to go for me. And, um, you know, probably in my 30s, like I said, was when I had my first opportunity to lead a team. What would you say was your biggest challenge or what surprised you the most when you took over your first team? I think, I think you have a lot of things that surprise you or you don't expect no matter, you know, how much you talk to people and they help you get ready to be a first, front, first time frontline leader. But I, I think the biggest um, challenge for me was just that transition moving from, you know, an individual contributor, you know, where the only person I had to manage was myself and moving to, you know, a leader of others. And there's many facets of that, but probably the thing that stands out to me the most that I had to learn and get comfortable with was this idea that my way wasn't always the right way. My way wasn't always the best way. Um, That if we had something to do, there were many ways to get something done, um, you know, on time, successfully, um, you know, good quality work that weren't my way. So I think that just understanding, you know, how other people worked and, you know, respecting that 
and, you know, setting expectations of quality of the work and, you know, what time it needs to be completed by, um, that type of thing. And then letting people to their own, um, you know, methods. That's very hard as someone who, you know, was a, you know, achieved a lot as an individual contributor and, um, you know, was always pretty confident in, in the way to get things done. So it took a while, but um, once I was able to do that, uh, it was so liberating because you really could step away, let people work, and be comfortable that you will hold them to the expectation of quality and time, but the roadmap they used to get their work done was really up to them. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one of the hardest things, is, as you talked about, and I come across this all the time, is new leaders making that transition from from doing things their way, that individual contributor, to then starting to see things through the lens of of a leader. You know, it's all with good intent, right? You you're you're a new leader. You want to help people. You've been successful doing something, and you want to just kind of share that with others and kind of teach them how to do it. And you know, it, it becomes a problem when you you go beyond you know teaching. And it's a mandating how someone does something. But yeah, it, I think everybody encounters that when they first start. So what helped you, you know, whether it was with your first year in or, or over the years, what leadership concept or technique? You know, I think um, I had been, you know, very passionate about the DISC program. You know, we trained on that, you know, from probably the beginning of my time in, in biotech and pharma and biotech. And then actually as a, you know, trainer, um, I became certified uh, to teach that. You know, also situational leadership was, is another one that, you know, is just a, a fundamental, uh, was a fundamental for me. And then also, um, you know, talent profiler or uh, strength finders, you know, was very helpful. I mean, and the, and the, the, the kind of the underlying, you know, theme of all of that for me was I, I was learning and developing appreciation for different types of people and how they worked, whether it's, you know, what their, you know, communication style is from DISC, that was a component of it kind of where they were developmentally and what kind of um, support, leadership support they would need from me. Um, also understanding, you know, what people are naturally good at and where their inherent uh, talents lie. You know, kind of getting that whole picture of the, the people that were on my team, you know, helped me to, you know, appreciate them more and how they worked. Um, and once I kind of got a better handle on that, you know, things would make sense to me the way that things people would, the, the way things people would um, put together. And also I could kind of anticipate um, how they were going to approach things and what was going to happen based on my, you know, understanding of them with, you know, using those, just those three leadership tools. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very helpful for me because it, it, I knew the programs well because of having been certified to teach them. Um, uh, but I had the opportunity for real life application when I became a frontline leader, um, which, you know, it, it was, it was essential for me to be able to be successful as a leader, um, applying those 
principles from those programs. So let's go back to DISC. DISC is a an assessment tool that buckets people into four different categories, if you will. What motivates them, their communication preferences, very goal-oriented, very results-driven. Others are much more methodical, process-oriented. Some are uh, more people-oriented. And then there's there's that final group where people want harmony within the group, right? They want to build consensus. So it's a great instrument to utilize with your teams. And let's face it, you and I are very different from each other. We're, we're basically the, the complete opposites. Yeah. But I think that that's okay, right? I mean, you know, I think when we're younger and, you know, we're kind of new into business, you know, you're very opinionated about people and it's really a naive approach, right? Just in general um, of, you know, looking at folks and, and making judgment. And I think, you know, I certainly was guilty of that. But once I kind of start to understand more about, you know, just using this, for example, you know, the way the profiles, you know, approach things, the way they communicate and kind of the under ration, underlying rationale for that, it kind of opened my eyes to understanding that, wow, you know, if you're going to have a team, you really want to think about compliments. In other words, you know, having a team of people, you know, everybody has to have the capabilities that you need, you know, to do the jobs. But then there's kind of a next level look at your team. And when you're thinking about good fit, um, you know, you want people to get along, but you also want to have varying perspectives and approaches on a team. And, you know, the, using the DISC, um, you know, principles was one way when I was building teams or when I, you know, had an opening, um, I I assessed what I needed to complement the, the group that I had. And so, you know, and just as an example, when you and I, you know, were building out uh, the leadership team uh, for the training team we were on together, you know, when we had one opening, you know, when we looked at the leaders on the team, we had three people who were three of the four disc profiles. So we were lacking one, which was that, uh, profile that you talked about, you know, very outgoing, very people oriented, um, you know, optimistic, you know, enthusiastic. We we didn't have that. And when we were looking to fill that, you know, fourth person on our team, I, I was very conscious that we needed that to kind of balance us out. And then, you know, when we went to begin to interview and identify candidates, we actually did uh, identify and hire someone who certainly had all the capabilities of the role, but um, kind of brought that final balance to our team um, as having that, you know, this profile that we didn't have. Right. Agreed. And, and let, let's go back to that, that period of time, right. When we were mm-hmm. building out the, uh, the training department together before that, uh, you approached me. Uh, so, uh, you know, at the time I was a, a, a district sales manager and right. and you just took over the um, training department, and you were going to build that team. And I remember we were you and I were uh, at an event. I think we were golfing together. And over lunch, you looked at me and asked me if I was interested to come in uh, and build out the management training for your department. Right. Now I looked at you, and I was like, "Huh." 
what is she thinking? Which I'm still not sure what, what we were thinking that day, but because here I, here I was, I had zero uh, training experience. Now I, I had years of management experience. And, and I think this, this demonstrates a great point that, you know, great leaders uh, see the potential in their employees at times when even then themselves don't see it, right? So when I was thinking at that time, my career paths, training was nowhere even on my mind. It wasn't even a thought at that point in time. And yet you right. saw something in me that I, I never saw uh, or didn't realize. Yeah. And, and again, as I said before, you and I think very differently. And yet mm -hmm. you took a chance on me and brought me into the training group that, uh, as I reflect back, was a pivotal point in my life that kind of changed my whole career. I think that I had the benefit of working with you as a peer mm -hmm. um, as we were on the same management team. So I had the opportunity to kind of, you know, observe how you were uh, as a leader and then also had the opportunity to, you know, work on some projects with you and just, you know, the things that uh, we had to do as a management team. And I think what I identified is that, A, you wanted to, you know, continue to, to grow as a leader and advance your career you know, to second line leader and beyond. Um, but just also the way that you worked, you were incredibly patient, um, not only with people, uh, but also with process, right? And I think that at the time, you know, I needed to build a team of some of people that I trusted, of course, and, and I did trust you. Um, you were very different than me in your approach as someone who was uh, very process oriented uh, very um, detail-oriented, um, and also patient um, to get to a decision. Um, and I also, you know, felt that, you know, you were going to be able to, you know, take something and, you know, be able to build it and not get frustrated with the way that a program was going to have to be, be built out. Um, so I was comfortable that I could, you know, teach you the formal um, aspects of what you needed to do to be a trainer and also to, you know, build out um, programming and content. Um, but you had all the other skill sets to, that, that were needed for the role. And I think even more importantly for me, you know, when you're identifying people that you, you know, want to bring into a group or, you know, are going to be starting something with you, you, you had a very, I will say, untraditional um, you know, career path, you mm -hmm. know, and that, you know, you weren't like right out of high school, going to college, you know, and, and kind of, you know, you, you, you worked a lot and you had a ton of experience and, you know, your, your background to me was um, something that exemplified perseverance. And once you decided something that you wanted to do, you did it. I mean, I think the way you kind of worked, you know, went through college, you know, ran, you know, Built, buying a house, gutting a house, and and redoing a house, then you never did that before. So the projects that you have taken on in your career demonstrated to me that you know you have commitment once you make a decision, you have persistence, and you're not afraid to put forth the work. So that coupled with all the observations I had uh, working with you as a, a peer, um, it seemed to me like it was going to be a good fit, and you know. When you identify a fit, even though the patient person might not have the the underlying skill set, you, you can teach that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I was confident that we could do that. And, you know, I'm glad that you, you said yes, because the opportunity you had, you took full advantage of it, built out great programming, and then have parlayed that into, you know, your own company today. So it, it was worth taking that chance. Yeah. And, you know, of course, uh, if I reflect back, my parents probably had a different thought on, well, I don't know, it took him 10 years to finally finish his degree. But... <laughs> <laughs> now, it's better late than never. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right. Now, going back to, uh, you know, something important you said before about, about DISC. And when I joined, joined you in, in the training department, I got obviously much more acquainted with DISC and really, uh, uh, truly appreciated the value that it brought because... It, what it does is when a manager and employee goes through something like that and truly understand, it it almost, what it did is it gave us permission, right? Where, uh, yes, you were able to to look at me and coach me and say, all right, you're taking too long thinking through this. You have all the information you need. It's time to, to push it forward, right? And that's kind right. of what I needed. And there were times where, you know, you were, um, uh, again, uh, very results driven and, and wanted to push through things. And at times I would be like, all right, you know, I think we might need to just slow it down just, just for a bit here and right. think through this. Right. So, but because we understood each other, we knew the differences. Right. It just, uh, it's like we were speaking the same language. We were able to just cut out all the, the nonsense and, and just have those very candid conversations because again, we knew that, that we just thought we were wired differently, but we were a better combination leveraging each other's talents as opposed to just, um, uh, you know, ignoring them. Yeah, I think that's a great, great way to say it. we had permission um, because we understood. And I think also that understanding, you know, creates respect as well, because once you get a handle on, you know, what people are good at and how they're naturally you know, wired and understand that you're not that way. I think that if you can respect that, it's very freeing because when someone weighs in or is doing something that you know isn't something you're really naturally good at or enjoy doing, you tend to uh, release a little bit and also uh, put a little more stock uh, in their perspective when it, it gets to something like that. I mean, particularly, I think with you, um, you know, you weren't afraid to keep going over things and reviewing things and, and taking small um, steps toward where we were going, where I typically like to, um, you know, let's act first. If we have to fix it, we'll go back and fix it later. So I knew that that's how you worked. And Frankly, when you're building out the programming that you were building out, you, you have to go in incremental steps because, um, you know, everything kind of builds on each other and it, it morphs and it, it's a better way to go at it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that that balance is critical. But the key is, you know, understanding first and appreciating um, everybody who's around the table and what they bring and then having enough respect and confidence in those people to, you know, let them um, go and take real, real, um, pause when you get pushback from them. Um, it's all coming for, it should all be coming from a very good spot. Um, but as a leader, I have to say that it it really helped me, um, in the way I interacted with 
that particular team and, and the teams that I interact with now, um, having that appreciation for everybody and what they bring to the table that's unique. And, and the other thing I appreciate too, that I appreciated at that time was, and again, coming into a position like that, uh, you know, building out the management training from the ground floor for a Fortune 100 biotech company uh, is intimidating without having the experience of doing it. And yet what I appreciated was what you mentioned before, situational leadership, which you and I love situational leadership. I'm a huge fan of it. I, I teach it, facilitate it for other clients. But, uh, you know, and you provided me with the right support and guidance uh, along the way and, and teaching me uh, on, on the role itself, which I thought was, you know, it, it's a question of setting people up for success or setting up for failure. And you certainly invested a lot of time up front making sure that I would be successful. I mean, I think that's the responsibility of, you know, a leader. And particularly when you have a new hire, you know, the onboarding is so important. And, you know, making sure that people are, you know, getting into the role, getting up to speed and providing them the right level of support to, to have them set up for success. And I mean, in the role that you had and a lot of people have, you know, you, you're in an internal uh, position where there's a lot of exposure and exposure is exposure, right? It can be good and it can be not good. And as the leader, you have an obligation, I think, with people who are coming into a role to make sure that, you know, they are, you know, learning you know, progressing in their onboarding and getting up to speed in a way that once they begin to get put in front of other peers or other, you know, leaders, that they are going to come off in a very good light because, you know, you really get one chance. And um, if you stumble out of the gate, it, it can mark you, uh, you know, for your career. And, and the role that you were coming into it was also um, not only developmental for you and helping me build out, but it was also to begin to set the stage for you building relationships and reputation mm -hmm. to, you know, grow and hopefully take on positions of increased responsibility. Um, so I think that it, it's very important when someone comes into a role that you set expectations for what has to get done and based on, you know, where they are developmentally, you've got to provide a framework to help them get there. Now, the work they have to do, but the framework and the guidance the leader has to provide. And it takes, a, it takes an enormous amount of time. And I think that we get so busy with, you know, what we have to do when we get a new hire. Um, we spend a lot of time over the first week or the two weeks um, that they're there, and then it kind of wanes. And that's the problem because it, it, it's going to take a while to make sure that, you know, the person is, is getting the the training that they need, whether it's on the job or coursework or whatever, and you've got to kind of inspect what you expect. And if people aren't progressing, you've got to give them that additional support to, to get them where they need to go. And I think that one of the things that is hard with this is that when people come into a role and they, let's say they've already done the role at another company, I think we often can make the mistake that, oh, well, they've done this before, so I can let them run and um, it'll be fine. And, you know, there's a fine line between micromanaging and making sure that people 
demonstrate the skills that we think that they have. Now, you were an easier case, right? Because I knew that you didn't know what to do and you were acutely aware that this was a new territory for you. So, you know, your expectation is that you were going to have that, you know, support all along the way and we're going to have a lot of time mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the thing we have to watch out for as leaders is that let's say I took someone from another organization that had built out this type of programming that we brought you in to build out. You know, you, there is that temptation to just let them run. But I think as, you know, a leader, you have to set the expectation. You have these transferable skills coming in and this is great. But until I see you demonstrate these skills, I am going to have to be present with you or check in with you often. Once you demonstrate those skills to me and I know that you can execute, we're good. And then we'll move on. And that really is kind of the foundational principle of situational leadership, you know, and it's very important too, as a leader, when you have to do your evaluations, you you can't evaluate people on things that you haven't seen them do. So, you know, some people would say, well, geez, if you hire people with the skill set, you should be confident to let them go. But, you know, my kind of philosophy is we want to make sure that people are set up for success and just to verify, um, you know, you don't have to be in there all the time or with them all the time. But as a good leader, you should be able to have a couple checkpoints here and there to, to realize that people are tracking and they are executing. But it goes much better at the beginning if you set that ex- expectation. You know, I trust you. But in order to make sure that we're in sync, as we get started here, you know, we're going to be working together frequently, meeting frequently, just to make sure we're on track. And it's much easier to do that than let someone free for six months, have very few check-ins, and then get to that point and realize, oh my goodness, you know, we are, we are way far apart on this. And then to have to backtrack and correct, not only does it waste time for you and the person you're leading, but you don't know what you know, potential reputation damage has been done between that person and you know, other people um, during that time. You've kind of been not keeping your eye on the ball. So, yeah, that's, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that's kind of how I approach new, new hires. Right. And, and that holds true no matter what level you're at. Is that fair to say? I mean, you were, right. you know, last yeah. Positions you were, you know, vice president, uh, high level, and and that still holds true with people you're bringing in that's working under you. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you know you're hiring director level now, so it's it's leaders of others, and you know I think that you lay out the vision that you have, and you know through dialogue and through discussion, you'll you'll understand you know where that person or the new hire is with respect to getting to that vision. And then of course, you know, you want to draw on all their experiences and what they've done and how they've been successful. Um, But you may also have some other things that you would want them to consider um, as they're building it out. But I think that if you, if you, you always have to lay out the expectation of what you want the end to look like as the leader, I mean, and that's just providing the vision. And, you know, if you hire good people, especially people who have experience, you know, you're trusting that you brought them in, the, the quote unquote how, they're going to know how to get there. But you've got to establish the vision up front and set expectation. And if you don't do that, you can't be frustrated with, with an outcome if you've never given that kind of, you know, high level, this is where I see us going. But yes, I, I think that that's it at any level. 
you, you need to do that. And I do believe the higher you go up, you know, whether it's director, you know, executive director, vice president, the leader of those people has less time, but it's still very important to, um, at minimum, you know, have these check-ins and kind of updates just to make sure things are tracking, particularly, you know, during that first, you know, three to six months, the person comes on board um, because you really want to make sure they're getting off to a good start. Well said. All right. We're almost out of time here. So one last question for you. What's an important lesson you learned along your leadership journey that you can share with our listeners? There's so so many. And I would say that I'm not anywhere near finished the journey. Uh Um, You know, I think that for me, leadership has been kind of this continuous learning process, right? And I think it's been at the beginning, it was, um, you know, you're, you're reading everything that you can, you know, I still read the Harvard Business Review, um, keep an eye on, you know, new books that come out, you know, flavor of the day, just try to understand, you know, what, what is out there and maybe what new positions people are taking on, you know, fundamental uh, management techniques. Because at the end of the day, I, I mean, I think over the past 10 years, I don't think I've seen anything that's been brand new, but a variation um, on a theme or, you know, focus on an element of management um, that we've all known about, but maybe like a different twist on it. So that idea of continuous learning um, and also going to seminars, listening to different like podcasts, like these things, um, but it's continuous. But for me, I think the one thing that um, has been most impactful and continues to be impactful to me is this kind of core group of people over the years um, that I've established for myself of leaders who I've either worked with, um, who've mentored me, um, you know, who I've been on projects with. But I have about five or seven people, five to seven people, I would say, that um, I really respect as leaders. They, they are different than me um, in the way that they lead. But they're kind of my, you know, for lack of a better term, my, my board table, right? They, they're always going to be honest with me if I call them for feedback and share a situation. They definitely have my best interests at heart um, just because of the relationships we've, we've built over the years. But I think for me as a leader, having that um, core group of people that I can go to, and some aren't even, aren't even in my industry. They were in other industries. They were completely unaware of the, the specifics in the day-to-day of what, what we did, but they were good leaders. And when you would come to them with kind of a situation, they were completely unbiased um, to everything because they were in a completely different industry. But when you would run a scenario by them and how you're approaching it, the feedback and the input that I would get from them really would affirm the way I was going or you know, make me realize that maybe I should be looking at things a little bit differently. But to me, that that has been invaluable. Um, and it's been a reciprocal type of relationship um, with these folks that, you know, I'll get a call out of the blue that'll say, they'll say, you know, can I run something by you? And, you know, having that group that's going to be honest, um, you know, good intended, and also, you know, wanting to help uh, that has a different perspective than I do in general, um, and the way that they work has been really invaluable to me. And I think one of the things as a leader um, 
that's helped me uh, maybe not make rash decisions, um, maybe slow down sometimes, and also gather perspective that I may never have had. So I, I feel that for me, that's been kind of one of the things that um, has evolved over time that's helped me you know, be successful and has been a, a, an invaluable resource for me as I've you know, grown on my leadership journey. I love the concept of, of having your own board. I think we were, you and I were running one of our annual managers meeting. We brought in Marcus Buckingham uh, to speak to us. And I know we were talking about, you know, creating this board. Uh, of course, my board uh, looked different than most people in the room, if you remember. <laughs> it, it sure did. <laughs> in fact, it was different than everybody's in the room. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's something that, I didn't, you know, I didn't purposely go out and say I need to have five people who I can go to at any one time. I think it just um, it, it evolved organically over the years. And when you reflect back on, you know, how you work and what you do, and, and when situations arise that you're unsure of or you need some, you know, some guidance, I look at that and I'm thinking, wow, that just kind of it happened over, you know, 20 years and. Um, you know, here are these people. And, you know, even to this day, they're, they're, they're just great confidence. And, you know, everybody has kind of evolved in their careers as leaders. And it's really fun to see, you know, kind of where we were, you know, 10 years ago to where everybody is today. And, um, you know, maybe there's something to it. We've all been very successful. And, uh, you know, it, it's an unlikely group. But, um, you know, it, it's worked for us and we continue to use it as a resource very informally. I think that if anybody thought thought about it, they might not have thought about it as their board table, but um, it, it really kind of is for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't think it was necessary to put my spouse down as uh, on my board, but apparently everyone else I, I know. In the room did. <laughs> well, everybody has a unique perspective. Uh, you know, 60 other people in the room felt that their spouse or partner needed to be on their board, but you didn't. So, hey. Yeah. You always did things a little different, Rob. I was the renegade in the room, apparently. Yes. <laughs> All right. We are out of time. And first, I just want to thank you for coming on and being my first guest and helping me launch this podcast. And and also to thank you for all the guidance and support and friendship you provided me over the years. I think you represent what a great leader looks like and going back to how you you saw something in me that I never realized was there. Uh, and, and at that time, what I thought would be a cool little project just to come in, yeah, I'll come into training, this would be a cool project for a year, took on a life of its own and stayed there for five years, um, even went back and got a master's in organizational yep. behavior and leadership. So again, the it's amazing how a leader – the the impact they can have on someone's life and career and uh, again want to thank you for everything you did for me and appreciate you coming on to this podcast oh thank you it's been a pleasure and you know i think the leader is a part of it but you know the hard work that you've put in over the years and you know actually finding something that you love you know that's what makes people successful so you know you've, you've done great work and i hope these podcasts uh, go well. I think the concept's great, and I'm looking forward to listening listening to them myself. Thanks again, Kim. Thanks for coming in and jamming with me. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're enjoying the podcast, then click the subscribe button, leave a review, and I'll talk to you soon on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. <laughs>